Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism show where our goal is to uncover, dismantle and eradicate racism. Our goal really is to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Before we get started today, I want to just begin with a meditation and invite you wherever you are to take a moment to just center yourself if you're in a place where you can put your feet on the floor or on the ground, I invite you to do so. And just take a moment to find your breath, to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to manifest and to make intelligent choices. Breathe in and out the knowledge that those choices manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. As you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity. And you carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Take a deep breath in and sigh it out, and let's begin. I am so excited uh, today. Before I introduce my guest to you, I believe that I have mentioned to you before that I have a book coming out, and that book is called Dismantle Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. And I'm so excited because it launches on April 18th, which is just a couple of weeks away. So today I want to read to you just a portion of the book to help you begin to think about the ways in which you can become a part of changing the status quo and dismantling racism. So I'd like to read a section that's called For Such a Time as This. If you remember nothing else from reading this book, remember that you were born for such a time as this. There's a fascinating and disturbing story that comes from the Judeo-Christian Judeo sacred text. It is the story of Queen Esther, a Jewish woman married to a non-Jewish king who has been convinced by one of his high-ranking officials to annihilate the Jews. Presumably, he does not know that Esther is Jewish. Once her cousin Mordecai learns of this plot, he enlists Esther to intervene on their behalf. Her initial response was to refuse his request. Like many, she was concerned about her well-being, enjoyed the privileges she was afforded, and did not readily grasp the severity of the situation to her livelihood. Mordecai's response to her unwillingness to take a stand was to help her to understand that perhaps she had been brought to royalty for such a time as this. Furthermore, he brought to her awareness that if she did not take action, that the sacred would provide another way out and that her silence might lead to her demise. This story is one of my favorites because it demonstrates how one's initial reactions are about personal security, but upon deeper reflection, one's overwhelming desire to use personal power and privilege to disrupt a system prevails. There is an amazing recognition to start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can in the words of Arthur Ashe. Similarly, in the quest to dismantle racism, you 
are a part of that change. Remember that you are in the right place in your life, the right body, the right gender, the right position, the right color, the right sexuality, the right birth order, and so forth. Do not think that if you choose to remain uninvolved that you will not be impacted emotionally, spiritually, economically, medically, or even socially. For example, think for a moment about a rich conversation or a memorable interaction that you've had with someone who differs from you. Did it enrich your life, change your perspective, or broaden your worldview? When you step up, and lead with faith, you will receive invaluable benefits. You die a slow death when you live in a world of sameness that is characterized by the advancement and privileges of some at the expenses of others. You cannot truly live out the fullness of your calling when you profess to be a conscious and global leader who serves others while unconsciously excluding others in that service. You are called for such a time as this. And so to my beloved listeners, it doesn't matter whether you are an entrepreneur, a leader in your community, a leader in your family, a leader in your church or an organization, you are called for such a time as this. So I want to invite you to really recognize the ways that you can show up and try to change the status quo. We all have to shift in what we do sometimes. We have to just pivot just a little bit in what we're already doing in order to change the systems. Sometimes those changes are big changes and sometimes they're subtle changes. My guest today had to make a bit of a shift She's been working for quite a while in the in industry of personal development. But something happened where she began to shift her focus just a little bit more and started thinking about how do we deal with racism? And like me, she is an author. So her book is entitled The Intimacy of Race. So I want to welcome today Eva Medelik. She's a certified high-performance coach, an international speaker, a number one best-selling author, might I add. And Eva really talks about being an ally how can those who want to help underserved communities become allies to those underserved populations? And that's what her book is about. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. But one of the other areas we will focus on is something else that is really critical in her work, and that is around communication. So whether we're communication, communicating on a business level, or in our own personal lives, it matters for our relationships. So I'm so excited that she's here today to talk about her high performance training and the ways in which she teaches individuals how to engage in productive conversations for their organizations. So I want to welcome to the show today, Eva Medelik. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Tara Lynn. Um, I'm really excited to be here with you and, um, you know, be standing really shoulder to shoulder with you in this work that we do to uplevel the awareness and begin the dismantling of racism. Well, you know, we have been on a ride yes. together. <laughs> that is for sure. But before we get into the depths of your work, this work is difficult work. And even beyond just our work, working with coaches, working with organizations, corporations, individuals, before we get to any of that, we show up in this world as women who identify as Black and African-American women. 
And even when we don't identify ourselves as that, if, if, if we didn't, we both do, but even for people with darker skin who don't identify in that way, the world sees them in that way, because really that's how we define race, right? Around the, the, the melanin that's in your skin, your hair, et cetera. With that comes a lot. And we need something to anchor us, to get us through the day so that we're not reactive to the things that happen. So share with me, what is it that grounds you, that keeps you going day after day, just as an individual? And then what keeps you going with doing this work around the intimacy of race? I actually um, have started really communing on a higher level with my angels you know, my heavenly helpers, you know, and I, I have a morning routine, which is, you know, part of being a high performer is I have a morning routine that sets me up to be productive, to be effective, to have an impact and to reduce stress in my day. I mean, studies show that having a morning routine, you know, literally eliminates 20% of stress in your day. And I really set myself up every morning with my intention of who I want to be, um, how I want to interact with others, and what success, you know, who I want to be as a person, how I want to interact with others, and what I call success markers, you know, just, just having the habits, practices, and principles that um, help me be successful in what I want to be in work. And so I, I read a book not too long ago that um, our mutual friend, Dr. Valerie Shepard shared with me, it was called hiring the heavens. And prior to that, I had been looking for signs of angels and, and how I can commune on a deeper level with them. And that's been really important in um, grounding me for the day. Mm, I think it's so important to be grounded because if we don't have something to hold on to, when we are confronted with issues of racism, whether that be personally or whether I see something that happens to you or whether I'm watching something on TV, whatever the case is, there's a place in which whether we are reactive to it outwardly, it does something to us inwardly. And so I think it's so important for the people who want to engage in this work to really, really, and that's why I ask this question of every single person who's on the show, to really understand you have to have something that will help keep you steady. And even if for a moment that your insights are all crazy, it keeps you from responding and reacting and, <laughs> and, 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 and doing a number of other things, right? And so I thank you for sharing that. And I also thank you for the angel reference. Mm. Because for me, it is so important to know that this work that we do, it began long before us. And that we have what we call, you know, in the church anyway, a mm. cloud of witnesses. Mm who are there, who are really just cheering us on. And so I know in your day-to-day -day work, whether those, those angels are people that you know personally, or whether it's the Harriet Tubman's and the Sojourner Truths, <laughs> they are there, you know, helping both of us to make it through. So we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to really get into um, the shift. What, what was it that shifted you a little bit in your work? So we'll be right back. Let's take a quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. are back with my guest, Eva Medelik. And Eva, before the break, we were talking about the things that ground you. And then I said that I wanted to talk with you about your pivot. Now, before we get into the pivot, could you share with our audience what it is that you were doing before and even what you do now, like how, how you changed your, your work? But I want to talk about what you were doing before what led you to change your work to this focus and now what you're doing a bit? Yeah, you know, I, I'm a high performance coach. And what that means is basically I help busy professionals learn how to advance their careers without sacrificing their health, their well-being or their relationships in the process. And so, you know, when we talk about, sorry, when we talk about the pivot, it really more was an and. Mm. And, you know, you cannot be a high performer, a true high performer, without having a level of cultural intelligence and inclusivity in your life and business. To me, they are not mutually exclusive of each other. But what happened for me was um, the catalyst to have a bigger impact and to use my voice um, more impactful in this arena was George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. You know, I really had not been a vocal advocate for anything, mm-hmm. really, you know, except puppies, you know, that, that was my thing. And um, to be honest with you, it was a, a slap in the face wake up call for me that all of a sudden I felt the ancestral grief and trauma of everyone who had gone before me, not only in my own family line, but in history. And the grief was so unbearable that it actually surprised me. You know, my children will tell you quickly that mom, you know, you cry, (laughs) you know, I'm really kind of a, a stoic person. And, you know, the only thing that makes me cry is animals and puppies and things like that. And so, it was such a shock to me. And I, and I went into a meditation because I couldn't shake it. Every night I was literally crying uncontrollably when I finally allowed myself to watch the video. I did not watch it initially. I, you know, to me and probably so many other people of color, it was another black man got killed by the police, you know, yada, yada, yada you know, I don't need to see this again, but there was something about this particular incident that didn't go away. And so out of curiosity, I felt in order for me to be up on the news other than COVID to look at it. And it just broke something inside of me. And I went into a meditation and, you know, when I asked my guides, my angel, my, my creator was to guide me into how I can make a difference. 
Mm. You know, I don't see myself as someone qualified to speak to, um, you know, DE&I subject. I'm not trained in that. But how can I make a difference? And what came to me in the meditation was the noticing uh, on social media on how white and white presenting, you know, white bodied individuals were weighing in on the subject and literally being canceled, shamed, blamed, guilted for saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I thought, okay, I can get upset that they don't know the right thing to say, or I can be a help mm-hmm. or a guide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what I felt was the intention, mm. you know, I felt their hearts, their loves. I saw through the, the foot in the mouth moments that a lot of <laughs> white body people were experiencing on social media. And I knew that if they shut down, we wouldn't have our allies, mm. we wouldn't have our advocates because they would be so afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong or making the situation work that they would just retreat and hold back and not do anything. Mm. And that's when I came up with the Allyship Awareness Forum that you so graciously agreed to be on with, because you and I talked a lot during that time. Yes. You know, we were, we were all up in our feelings, all up in our, um, you know, our advocacy, how can we make a difference? And, you know, and everybody made a difference in a way that was um, aligned to their vision, goals, and values. Mm. And I put on this um, allyship awareness forum specifically to have powerful female black voices share Mm. and for white bodied individuals to listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it literally was a listen and learn event because metaphorically speaking, we had had a knee on our necks for so long. And I just really felt strongly that women, especially Black women, who have had to adapt and navigate a white-centered world, you know, we talked about that earlier, how we talk different, you know, in white spaces than we would in in spaces that were, um, that we felt more comfortable in, if you will, or just in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was important to me to put that out. And that's really when I had the pivot to have that and, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you can be a high performer. Yes, you can, you know, take care of your health, your well-being, your relationships, and you can lock arms with us mm-hmm. in a way that's not weird, <laughs> In a way that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, picket and protest every day of your life. But what are the little things, you know, it's the little things, right? That you right. do every day that right. can make a difference. You know, even you, you've actually said so much in there that I just would really love to, to delve into, which we don't have time to do all of it. But, you know, one of the things that you said very early on, was about George Floyd being a wake-up call for many of us. And you you mentioned, really, it almost became normal to see Black and brown bodies, and, and I'm going to say particularly Black bodies, that, that you hear about. It's not that other people are not, you know, uh, killed. I, I, I'm not trying to say that, but... Disproportionately. But, but yes, disproportionately, and for a while, every week, Every week, you know, particularly during President Obama's time. But there was something with the heinous act of George Floyd that woke up most people, white people and people of color. And so I appreciate what you're saying is that once I woke up, it's not like you didn't know it. See, I think what our audience has to understand is that we also have an armor that's there for our protection because if every time we saw something happening on the racial front that we wanted to uh, address, we we would do nothing but 24-7 be addressing yeah. issues of race and racism. And dare I say what we've experienced personally exactly. in our day-to-day lives. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so... So what what I think that's important for our audience to hear 
is that there's, there's a moment for all of us where we say, what can I do differently? So even, even in these black and brown bodies, where we have to navigate whiteness all the time. And so we're trying to make it in life and be successful as well. You know, what your message is saying is it doesn't matter who we are. There's a moment of awakening where we have to decide how do I want to use what I have? Basically, like I was reading in the, how do I want to use what I have to change a system? And what I love about what you're saying is that it's an and, because many times in the work that you and I do, I think that white people will often feel like, well, I can't focus on that because I have to focus on X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. but it's not an either or, it's a both and, and there's an intersectionality. So I really love that. And, and the other thing is your forum was really powerful. You decided in a big way I'm going to put this forum on and you had hundreds and hundreds of people who showed Mm -hmm. up for that forum. But what you also said when you were talking is that people of color are willing to work with white people. I heard you say that in terms of looking at who was being canceled. Mm -hmm. And you said, I wanted to see what I could do. Didn't mean that what people said didn't bother you. But you want it to say, I, I do know how to help people. I don't have to be trained in the, in the professional sense. I don't have to be a trained DEI expert. But because you are a high-performing coach, you used what you have. And we have people who are, on the, who are on the ground every day who are out here doing work of advocacy and activism. Maybe we all can't be those people. But I love the fact that that you said, wait a minute, this is what I do. I know. I know what's important to me. And so I love that you've pivoted and and well, we use we kept using that word in 2020, did we not? <laughs> no, oh my God. we were spinning like ballerinas, weren't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would rather say that you decided the and and you heard the ancestors calling. Yeah, that was frightening to me, to be honest with you. Because, you know, my spiritual journey has had many ups and downs and many wounds (laughs) along the way. And I didn't know what that felt like. And it, it just, you know, I think about it now and it just breaks me. Who am I to just live in a world and take advantage of how they fought for us? Mm. and not continue the fight Mm. yes even you know we have to take a break but we 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 might want to come back to that Mm -hmm. because oh you just gave me chills just saying that because i think about the same thing we have to take a quick break and we will be right back with eva medalik this is the dismantle racism show i'm your host the reverend dr tlc Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges 
business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Eva Medelik. And Eva, before the break, you said something really powerful around who am I not to continue the work of the people who fought so hard for us to be where we are. And that is so important for us to think about as people of color and for white people. Because one of the things that I always say when I'm training and coaching um, you know, white individuals, I'll say, you know, white people were involved in the movement before. White people were involved in the abolition of slavery, right? And so I think about sometimes, because sometimes folks walk around in their guilt and shame, it's like, no, perhaps you ought to think about ways in which you can get involved because maybe you had some ancestors who fought. And if you didn't, you can be that one. But I love just hearing you say just what that feeling was like, because there's an, there's an emotional piece for us as people of color. There's a connectedness for us as people of color on this journey. So can you just say a little bit about that? And then we're going to, to jump into your book in, in just a bit. But I want to hear what you think about that that was my guilt and shame piece, you know, that I wasn't doing anything that I hadn't done enough, that I was, you know, living off of the fruits of their labor, their sacrifice, Mm. the whips on their backs Mm. and not, and, and turning a blind eye because maybe it didn't affect me as, as hard as it affected other people. I I grew up in a middle-class black family. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, went to private schools and, you know, was always the only and endured that. But, you know, we are built with this, this armor of resilience and protection around us that has come from our ancestors as well. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the realization and the heightened awareness into like, wow. And it's just all of a sudden I looked at you know, I used to have this joke with my dad that, you know, every time I planted something in my garden and I was out there picking it and I was like, daddy, I would have made a horrible slave. They would have had to put me in the kitchen because mm-hmm. I'm out here picking beans and my back is hurting and it's in my own little, you know, veggie mm-hmm. box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we would laugh about that. And, and then it just, it just, it just hit me that what, the slaves in the house had to endure what the slaves in the field had to endure. And, you know, and I'm living off of what they had to endure, you know, right. and what they tolerated and, and the resilience that they built in me for it. And it was just like, it was just enough, you mm-hmm. know, it was my time to do something. Um, you know, my dad has this history with Dr. Martin Luther King, and he often told me stories of, you know, being the only, um, one of a few black cops on an all white police department and how they wouldn't ride in the car with him. Yes. He was black. Mm-hmm. And then he had to be on the motorcycle and mm-hmm. every morning he went to work, they would yell at him. We mm-hmm. hope you crash and die. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, I don't even have to look that far back. Exactly. Exactly. But, but I think that's the part of the protection, right? Is, is, is to be, I'm, I'm going to just move forward. But it's always there. It's ever present there. And I just want to take a moment because I, I, I think that we have to use the term enslaved people because we were not slaves. 
And I know we were enslaved, correct. Thank that, you. That's I appreciate that. that. Because it takes, it takes the Lang- Language matters, yeah. It, it absolutely yeah. matters. And, you know, and sadly, as you were talking about that story, I was thinking, you know, it didn't matter whether their backs hurt. It didn't matter whether they just had a baby. They would have to have a baby and go back out in the field after they had the baby. Mm-hmm. Because we were not human. And so when I think about that, and I imagine when you think about that, that really is something that keeps us motivated with, with doing this work. And, and I want to just say that even when we aren't completely focused on it, even as a high performer, I'm sure that there were ways in which you uh, even subtly or not so subtly dismantled racism. And so I want to just offer that to the people who are listening because we don't need to live in the guilt and the shame, no matter what our racial background is, it's time to like move forward and just do the work. And that's actually um, what you've really been doing, because in addition to the forum, in addition to your Facebook group that you, that you have, where you're getting in there and diving deep into these conversations on race and, and helping people to understand race on a daily basis. You wrote The Intimacy of Race. So talk to me about your book and really talk to me about that title, The Intimacy of Race. I really, really love that. You know, um, when we were at a, um, a weekend in Vancouver, you know, I was given the name intimacy and i know you you and i know what i'm talking about but it it was a really powerful personal development transformational weekend and during that weekend um i was given the name intimacy and intimacy has come up a lot in my work and i was working with one of my coaches and she came up with the name the intimacy of race and it just landed and so I started the Facebook group, The Intimacy of Race, which became the title of the book. Um, and the book is basically, you know, a summary of everything we discussed in the forum mm-hmm. and how that played out. And um, because the forum was so powerful and the forum is, is available on my website, if anybody wants a copy of that, um, the live forum and also the book. But the forum was so powerful, but it was what I call digestible. Mm -hmm. We weren't drinking from a fire hose in the forum, but we did touch on ways that anybody and everybody can make a difference in their own personal lives, at work, at home, and in their communities as well. And I thought, you know what, this would be good to put on paper so people can read, highlight, take notes, and reference to all the time without you know really happen listening to the forum is is amazing Mm -hmm. but I just really just put it in in written form so it's you know and I and I did it quickly I wanted to get it out for Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday and um and really dedicate it to my dad and share a bit of his story in the beginning because I grew up hearing those stories Um, even though I was hearing those stories, I was so protected from the racism of the sixties. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in the height of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. My dad was a cop in a lot of those riots that were going on in in our hometown. Um, you know, when he was Dr. Martin Luther King's bodyguard, it was because there were death threats and there was a hit on Dr. King Mm -hmm. and the chief of police didn't want any white police officers in harm's way. Mm -hmm. So they picked my dad. Mm. another um uh officer of color um and just to hear him speak of being in his presence i mean literally seven days later dr king was assassinated but i used to take that photo of my dad and dr king to show and tell Mm. to the point where it's like so beat up but did not realize the significant because i was eight years old in 1968 (laughs) you know like what did i know right like and it's just like just so much history and I look at the racism that my parents had to endure and that that's part of me you know I didn't get to do it in my mom's lifetime but at least in my dad's lifetime to to see that you know what you did was not lost on me and I get to share your stories and and what I love and I, I just have to say this one thing for me that I've been highly aware of 
is the lack of bitterness in the black community for what we've endured over mm-hmm. 400 years. Yes. Some of the, the kindest, sweetest, happiest people have been our elders. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, and I think that that's also the ways in which we have survived, right? But it's also, in my perspective, is because we feel connected to something much higher than ourselves. And we feel connected as a shared humanity. Yeah. And I think that that is what keeps us going. But Eva, I just want to say, you have just really shared something very powerful in terms of just bringing back to our remembrance in a very real way, a not so long ago way of the danger for Dr. King, but the danger for Black cops who are in that system, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that want to be out there helping, serving, just like anybody else, but they still have to endure racist stuff that happens. I, I once um, had a, a police officer, a Black police officer say to me um, that there were times he wondered when he called for backup and he knew people were around the corner and it took them a long time to get to him. Mm. Was it because of his race? And so just think about carrying that weight with him while he's trying to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. We could get on a whole conversation about that, right? Because people wonder, you know, they think we're anti-police. We're not anti-police when we're doing this work. We're anti-police killing black and brown bodies. Mm-hmm. And really, I'm anti-police killing any, any, anybody. anybody. <laughs> so let me just be clear uh, about yeah. that. Uh, I know sometimes people have to be out there and they're fighting for their, their lives. I get that. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying what, what we see in terms of the footage that we see mm-hmm. completely, you know, um, just escalated to the point that you shot a person just within seconds. Yeah. Right? And we always have that assumption of guilt, you know, in all of the spaces that we walk into, there's a a level of suspicion, you know, looking at you harder, (laughs) you know, keeping an eye on you. Um, And that's part of us navigating this world that white bodied people don't get. Nobody's looking at There are also ways that we learn to to really, with the navigation, they're the things that we'll do. Like if we if I take something off of a shelf, I'm making sure that you know I'm putting something <laughs> back on the shelf just because of what we know could happen. I just want to say, um, I thank your father, mm. you know, for the work that he has done to help make the world a better place. And I thank him for his sacrifice because, and, and your mother, mm. and you all, because if you think about it, him guarding Dr. King was a possibility that he wouldn't come home that night. Mm-hmm. And that's a serious thing. And I don't think people recognize because we move around in these spaces today and we don't think about what happened then. There's six degrees of separation, right? You know, when I touch you, whether that be through this Zoom, you know, link or when we're meeting, I'm touching your dad who touched Dr. King. I mean, I'm getting chills just even thinking about that. Touched, whether that be emotionally or spiritually. And we are all interconnected. And so I hope that our guest will take away and will understand that whatever it is that you do, you are impacting another life. So it may not be protesting, but do something. Yeah, there is a ripple effect that you may not realize just by who you are being and how you are creating a safe space, how you're listening, how you're making someone else feel seen, heard, acknowledged. Right. right. Well, you know what? We have to take a quick break, but when we return, I want you to talk a little bit about that listening and creating a safe space. We'll be right back with my guest, Eva Medelik. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Eva, before our time runs out, talk to me a little bit. You just talked about listening and the ways in which we communicate and creating safe spaces for people of color. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, some of your steps that you use when you're working with individuals? You know, I, it's, it's important to have a framework, I feel, for listening because the human emotion <laughs> as we witnessed the other night, can get in the way of what's best for us and what we want to create and our priorities and our values. Sometimes our, we lose the battle to our feelings. And most human beings listen to respond, listen to react, listen to defend, listen to agree or disagree. And it's important when we're creating inclusive spaces that we listen for understanding just to understand the other person's experience the other person's lived experience as fact you know and so the framework that i i put together from so many other trainings that i've had it's called you know it's a listening framework it's an inclusive safe listening framework and i created an acronym lapi that stands for listen acknowledge paraphrase and inquire and so when we're listening we want to intentionally give our undivided attention and listen to understand what the person is saying and acknowledge their lived experience Mm -hmm. what they've just shared and acknowledgement doesn't mean you agree with them Mm -hmm. it means that you know it takes a lot of bravery a lot of times and a lot of courage for people to share their lived experience with other people because of that fear of criticism and 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 making a mistake or making other people mad so just the mere fact that you can acknowledge and thank someone for sharing that experience Mm-hmm. you know, is important to feeling heard. And then to know that you've truly heard and understood what they were saying, restate to make sure that you understand and maybe ask some clarifying questions if you don't. Mm-hmm. And and if it's in a situation where there, um, you know, is a, a potential for conflict, the final piece, the I, is to inquire and use questions not only to um, to deepen understanding, but that facilitate creative thinking for collaborative solutions and moving forward. And mm. those are open-ended questions. Mm. Who, what, how? <laughs> well, so I'm glad that you, you pointed that out, the who, what, how, because sometimes 
I find that um, people could ask questions in a way that invalidates your experience. Exactly. Like it's incredulous. Like that couldn't have happened to you. Are you sure the cop pulled over? Because so I love that you're saying it's the who, what, how. Yeah. And those questions are specific to a forward movement. You know, um, even though why is an open-ended question, it brings up that feeling like you just said that, you know, why would you feel that way? Why do you think that happened? And that brings up uh, the defensive uh, responses and reactions. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. even though why is technically an open-ended question, I always say to use that with caution because that feeling, you even feel it in your body when I said, why do you think that happened? And like, like, oh Lord, (laughs) here we go. But you know, when I say open-ended, it's like, well, you know, who do you need to talk to to get this resolved? Or what would you like to experience instead? Or Mm. how can I help Mm. you, you know, be an advocate for you in this situation? Those are open-ended questions. And then together, you can collaborate on what's next and come up with some forward moving solutions. And so even though you've had this experience or you have this complaint and maybe I don't um, agree with you or disagree, like Mm -hmm. what other ways do you think you could have handled that? Yes. And, and, you know, or, or even when folks want (laughs) to understand our experience, if there's a point where you don't understand, you can say, well, help me to understand a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, further. I, I, I witnessed something uh, at an event. Well, I wasn't at the event. I just happened to see a part of a clip related to it. And really in the way that this white woman asked the presenter a question about her experience was like, I can't, she didn't say these weren't her words, but like, do you really think about your blackness? all the time. This is the way she's asking the question after this whole presentation. And it was almost as if that can't possibly be. And and thankfully, the other participants who who decided to answer first before the presenter did in a very nice way. But I knew, talking Mm -hmm. about communication, Mm -hmm. I knew the undertone of how they answered. And one of them said exactly what you just said was, you need to just hear our experience. Yeah. Just hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see how, you know, how that question was asked closed-ended, mm. you know, it doesn't have an opportunity for any forward movement. Um, you know, if you're curious, like I'm curious about how you actually think about your black experience every day. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Help me to understand what that is like for you. Mm -hmm. And like, do you really? Yes. I mean, and then, you know, then attitudes can come out and then the the conversation doesn't move forward. Yeah, this is exhausting. This is taxing. It's intentional. And, you know, sometimes people will just wear on your last nerve. You know that. But, you know, that's where the grounding practices come in. You know, when, when we were talking about that early, I had a situation that, you know, my exhaustion, my black exhaustion was a real thing just got to me and when I get exhausted I want to give up I'm Mm. like done Mm -hmm. and I did what's called a release meditation where I released all the negative energy and you know and some I can do that usually in two to four minutes Mm. sometimes girl it's been taking me 20 minutes like not there yet (laughs) I don't I don't feel the energy calming down but it's important to have a practice that keeps you operating at your highest and best self, regardless of other people. Exactly. And because what we do really does matter. And if you're reactive, it also feeds into, see, I knew that's how, mm-hmm. you know, uh, black people respond, react, etc. cetera. Um, and you talked about safe spaces and I know that we, we we're running out of time, but I just want to add that when people of color don't feel safe, we're not going to share our experiences with you mm-hmm. because we think that you're going to invalidate our experiences. So why bother? And then we are really at a point where there's no healing and there isn't any moving forward in, in those spaces. And so I really do appreciate the work 
that you do. Eva, I am so delighted. Uh, it's early your time, so yes. I'm really <laughs> glad that you got up this morning so that you could be on the show. And I just wonder uh, if you could share with our audience how people can stay in touch with you and also pick a cop- pick up a copy of your book. Well, they can go to my website at evamedalek.com. And if they really are interested in learning more about the work and how it can add value to your life, just go to talkwitheva.com. And, you know, let's have a conversation about how these habits, practices, and principles can help you have that both and that, that having it all without doing it all, but also being um, culturally conscious and aware and intelligent as you move through this world. Mm. Eva, can they join your Facebook group if they'd like to? Yes, the intimacy of race. It's the only one. All right. Well, Eva, thank you so much for being a guest today. And to my listening audience, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. But thank you also for your willingness to engage in this work of dismantling racism. Please be on the lookout for my book on April 18th, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. You can go to my website right now at sacredintelligence.com forward slash dismantle book. And you can um, pre-order a copy if you would like to as well. Stay tuned, though, for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz as he helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we're all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. 
This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 